at, at least some of the stuff that I'm that I'm thinking of right now. That I'm, you know, you can see me, Joel. <laughs> Justin's I'm, holding I'm, himself I'm, back. He's like, uh, his blood pressure is like 180 deep, deep over 30. You know, like, yeah. And, and so, oh, man, my heart's going to explode, Joel. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> All right, we're rolling, man. Yo, yo. I just, I just feel like somebody stabbed me in the heart with a knife, man. <laughs> oh yeah, what? What did you just get duped or something? What happened? I, I just got a message on one of my reports for the live hacking event that's like, hey, there's like this mitigating factor to your most impactful report, and it just like, and it, and it just hit right before the pod too. So I'm <sighs> like, oh. So now I'm just, I can't stop thinking about like, oh, how am I going to bypass that? How am I going to bypass that? But, you know, it happens. It's the life of a bug bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, man. That's rough. That that sucks. I hate it when that happens. We should have maybe have a new policy that you shouldn't check your email but right before the pod. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I got to, I don't know, man. I, I got to, I get the push notifications on my phone, obviously, for my email. And then as soon as I see it's like from HackerOne related stuff, it's like crack. Like I got to open that shit right away, you know? And, and, uh, but sometimes it, it, it comes, comes across pretty hard. And, uh, man, my fickle heart. Yeah, I had one of those yesterday morning too. I was, just, I was like Oof. just waking up. I was going through my inbox and I was like, oh, hey, they finally updated the report over from mm. that I reported before the weekend. I go and I check, and uh, they're like, "Oh, uh, actually, uh, this is informative." I was like, yeah. oh, no. ah, <laughs> "Hate it." Still happens. Still happens, man. Actually, you know, I don't know what's up with this event, and I'm glad my my sort of QA process caught it. But I've actually had two or three false positives this event that I was getting ready to submit, and I was like, "Wait, maybe I should just run through this again." And then I run through it again, and it's it, you know, I got something messed up, and it's like, ah, it just takes the wind out of you so bad. I hate that. Yeah, we we had that happen a couple times as well, where it's like things were behaving like super weird, and we're like, yeah. hmm, maybe this is like a bug. We should probably report it. Let's just double check it and like run it through. It just doesn't doesn't work again. And yeah, it's, it's so are, are you working with someone for this event? I'm I'm working with a bunch of different people on just like little different things. Just collabing around. Yeah, it's just like little bugs. Like if they have like one thing that they want to like work on, we'll like go, we'll jam on that, and then like I'll go and I'll mess with something by myself, and then I'll hop over to somebody else. And yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I've got, I think, I think we're like five or six days into the event now and I've got like four or five bugs. And, and I hope this impactful one that I kind of, you know, rabbit hold on, I hope I can figure it out because if I, I can't, that's going to be, that's going to be painful. For nice. sure, but I'm I'm it's a little bit slower than usual, but the scope for this event is a little bit tricky, so I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I was just commenting um, to somebody else that uh, like these big events are are fun, but also like not as fun. I think just because yeah. for one, yeah. like there's so much scope that it's almost hard to like figure out what you should be looking at and trying to optimize. Yeah. And then usually the larger events have more hackers, which is more mm -hmm. intimidating. There's more reports, yeah. like. Right now, I won't say who, but like one of the one of the targets, there's two targets. One of the targets has mm -hmm. like 150 reports or something already. The other yeah. one has like 80 and like one yeah. person alone has like 70 reports on one of the targets. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, there's like a lot, a lot. So for me, like the imposter syndrome and the like, oh, man, I'm just going to dupe on everything. That's like huge right now. But uh, you got to like yeah. figure out ways to navigate through that. 
Yeah, it, it's events like these where you got to really stick to the tips that you preach on the pod. Like I come on the pod and I'm like, really, you know, you just got to stay in your lane, pick your target, you know, pwn it, just go for it. Don't worry about. It. But then when you get in the situation, applying it is so much different, you know. Yeah. And so I, I, I definitely feel that. But the other thing about these bigger life hacking events is that, um, you know, there's so much scope. And in the beginning, you can't really do due diligence on everything to see like, all right, this is where I should, you know, go hack because it takes too much time. So it, for this, for this event, there's probably, there's probably 15 applications that I could spend the whole event on in, in scope for this, for this event. Right. And so really you just got to pick your one and you got to stick to it and you got to do it. Right. But it's also kind of a crapshoot then because you, you could just pick the wrong app, you know, the yeah. app that's just not as vulnerable. And, and, you know, you do your best to do your due diligence at the beginning, but you know, that's just kind of how the cards lie sometimes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm having fun with my app and as long as I make my, my little, you know, nut that I need for the month or whatever, then I think it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a very similar experience where like before the event started, before the kickoff calls, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this thing. Like specifically, I'm just going to spend all yeah. the time like hacking this one thing and I'm going to find some sick bugs. going to take me some time. Then like two days in, I was already hacking the other target. You I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, like I need to like go hack this other stuff. Like, ugh, I'm not finding what I want here. I need to like switch it up. Like, yeah. yeah. This is this is one of the reasons I think I enjoyed our last our last little collab that we did together over the previous live hacking event because I think uh, I think one of my things is I will actually stick to the target that I commit to. Like, and and I just I won't get derailed, won't go look at anything else. I'll just stick to it. And I think if I and I think you have the capability to jump around from different target to target and still find bugs. But I think if I can just direct you, you know, and just like, no, Joel, we're gonna focus on this. Like, this is the thing. Like, let's do it right now. Then I think we had some really cool results. And that's, so that's true. I've yeah. been told this in other aspects of my life as well. That I, it's like yeah. I'm like a, a car that's like speeding forwards, but I have like really <laughs> bad turning and so like yeah. if somebody could just like steer it in the right direction it's just like full speed ahead but yeah keeping 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 the analogy though you know you are moving quicker than most people are though so i think i think it works for you you know you still get where you're, where you're going you know even if you're not taking the most efficient path <laughs> yeah yeah so. yeah I, we all get there in the end you know yeah cool for sure all right let's dive into some news yeah 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 what's on the first up on the docket okay so i was scrolling through twitter this morning i literally like i woke up I wake up at like mm -hmm. crazy early. It's like five o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm like yep. open Twitter and like I have this notification. It says like new tweet from InfoSec AU. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, oh, here, here we, we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> and like for the record, I love shoves. I don't have tweet notifications <laughs> turned on, which means that this is like a popular enough tweet that I got sent to me. Okay. Like yeah. by Twitter. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I open it up and it's like, oh, yeah, I was working on this like crazy research with with ZLZ and Brett Zayat and Reese Elmore. And uh, yeah. yeah, here's a blog post. And I like open it up and it's like oh, hacking man. like root TLD servers. And I'm like, dun, dun, oh. dun, dun. <laughs> okay, cool. So they hacked the internet. Got it. <laughs> they did it again. Yeah. Dude, um, it's so funny you say that because that's literally the exact same thing that happened to me. Like I, I, I mean, it's minus the whole waking up at, you know, crack of dawn thing. You know, <laughs> I, I, I woke up at 6.30, rolled over, hit snooze, woke up at 7.30. <laughs> then I... Then <laughs> And then I, I picked up my phone and Twitter had bumped, you know, to, to my notification list, this amazing, amazing thing. And I opened it right away. 
and just read through, you know, I was, I was like, oh man, like good morning to me. And then I see this tweet and then, you know, before I know it, I'm halfway through my eyes are wide open. I'm like, you know, <laughs> heart, heartbeats racing, you know, following this story that they got on here. So it's pretty sick. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I love these little, these posts. Cause every once in a while, like there's a, there's this group of people, especially Sam, um, yeah. ZLZ and Zayat, like those two he's, are. He's, they're the common denominator across all the different groups, I think. Yeah. And generally it'll be like, there'll be like a couple months, like things will be just like going by, like nothing's happening. And then out of nowhere, like there'll be like a, a five page blog post that's like detailing how they hacked some core infrastructure within like the global internet or something. It'll yeah. be like, we hacked undersea cables. We hacked TLDs. We hacked all the car, like start, like engine remote start stop shit. <laughs> like it's like, it's crazy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we talked about that sort of tendency on episode 17, um, you know, the live episode that we did in in LA. And it just some particularly Sam has an uncanny ability to just find critical internet infrastructure and like destroy it. So it's kind of nuts. Yeah, like these, I, I like to think that I have these same kinds of thought processes, but then they end kind of where I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how that works. And then I just move yeah. on. Yeah, or uh, they don't have a bug bounty program. Move along, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm too. I feel like I'm too focused on that. Like, I feel like I don't know. And it, it's also a little bit of a of a ballsy thing, you know. Like, I haven't done a lot of um, just let's call it good faith security research, right? I think that's the term that they use in the uh, you know yes, computer it, it, fraud yes, or whatever. That act. is the modified term. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so like I, I haven't done a lot of good faith security research, um, and it, you know, just for fear of you know, crossing boundaries, causing people a nightmare, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, every time they drop a, a blog post about the stuff that they've done, you know, I think, man, like if somebody else had done this, this would have been a nightmare for the whole internet. Right. And, uh, you know, at this point, Sam Sam and, and squad have saved the internet like six times. <laughs> so um, I, I have to I have to respect that, you know, whether or not I agree with the going out of out of scope or not. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I think like, now we're starting to get into an era where that type of work is a lot more like okay and allowed yeah. and stuff. But you know, yeah. five, 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been like, if you did this, there was actual serious risk that something really bad could yeah. happen. Like you could just get charged by like, you know, and like sent doggy to jail. G. Yeah. All yeah. Doggy G, you know, like, you know, you're hacking yeah. like such core infrastructure that this stuff can be taken the wrong way. But I think we're finally starting to get to a point and especially with the laws and everything that, that have changed that like security research, especially ethical, like white hat security research is a lot more accepted and mainstream. Yeah. And so, you know, coming from that approach, I think Sam, Sam especially with all the experience Sam has, Sam has done yeah. this so many times with so many other companies. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like that's just like his, his jam and that's cool. Sam just hacks whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. He sees something interesting. He's like, I'm going to hack that. It, that's like it, you know, once he's going to hack it, he's going to hack it. And so I think he has figured out the right ways to communicate that with companies in a way that such that he doesn't come across as like threatening or like anything like yeah. legal. And I think he's even said privately only a handful of times, like literally like a couple of times has it ever even edge towards like the case where like things would be, right. be going negatively in the communications right. and it never actually ended up that way. It was just kind of like, this is sketchy communications. Let's just like, uh, you know, move on and, and get this over with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. No, I, I respect that. And, and I will, I will confess. I recently succumbed to the temptation and hacked a cool target that I wanted to hack. Um, and I have not gotten any response back despite following <laughs> Sam's template 
And I didn't put any, but you know, the way that, cause I hit Sam up, I was like, all right, Sam, like I did the thing. How do I, how do I tell people about it? Right. And Sam's like, all right, you should do this, this, this. And so I followed his instructions and, uh, I really like the way that he approaches it because it's very non-threatening. It's very, um, it's very professional and, and, you know, cards on the table forward, you know? And, uh, and so I really, I really like that. Um, we should definitely, we should have them on the pod uh, and to talk about that specific thing. I'll, I'll note that down for a future topic because that, that is a pretty cool, unique feature of Sam, Sam at all, uh, uh, you know, going after these sort of out of scope things and, and the way that they deal with it, I think is something that the community could benefit from. Yeah, for sure. This was actually reminding me now that we're thinking about it, uh, we're talking about like mm-hmm. contacting website owners and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a really interesting repo that popped up on my Twitter feed and we'll link this in the show notes. It's by John mm-hmm. Keegan and it's mm. called Behind This Website and it's essentially mm. a checklist. It's on GitHub um, and it's a checklist of things that you can go through to try and identify who actually owns a website. So it's stuff like, are there authors listed? What is the local time of the website? Does it have an RSS feed? Do they have links to like Facebook and Twitter? If so, do they have contact info on the Facebook page? Here's where you can find it, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I think for like security research, especially if you're hacking like a website that doesn't have a a bug bounty program, may not have like a security contact or something like that. Yeah. This is probably a good way to try and get some of those other direct lines of contact because I know this is something that Sam struggles with. Like it's mm-hmm. very hit or miss. Some of the websites that he'll be hacking, like he'll try and reach out to somebody and it's impossible yeah. to get through. He'll have to like go to LinkedIn, have to go to Twitter. He'll have to hit up like random employees who are working at the company on like random social media. So this uh, this might be something that's useful if you're not getting a lot of traction with your with your initial email. Yeah, send it over. I definitely want to check it out. And I think like I've kind of poked around on on like LinkedIn and some other places trying to find, you know, the right person to come in contact with. And I think I think the other thing is that I don't know, you know, what Sam's LinkedIn presence is, but I feel like if you had a bigger LinkedIn presence, you know, I feel like that might help because you could just kind of like, you know, reach out to your network and we're all like, you know, seven degrees away from like some obscure person on the other side of the world. So I'm sure somehow you could you could get in contact with the right people if you had a, a big enough presence in sort of a professional network. Yeah, for sure. I was actually, uh, I was wondering this, uh, this the website, you know, we got a little derailed here, but the website that mm. posted this blog post, hackcompute.com. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. First of all, never heard of them. Uh, and <laughs> I was looking into it and uh, I have a feeling we might be hearing more from... Uh, from this group in the future because they have yeah. nothing posted on this blog except for a foreword from January, six months ago. That's like talking about how the industry has changed and all this stuff. And, you know, we like, you know, now we just hack stuff for like good and uh, you know, how this group will like focus on really high impact stuff. And then six months later, they post this, this blog about hacking the TLD, CCTLD, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like this group of people, you know, uh, Sam, Brett, Reese, and and Shubs, they're just like, hey, let's make this like cool hacker group and then like pwn the internet. And they're yeah. like, cool. What's the what's the most crazy thing we could go for? Okay, well, what if we could control every single domain in the whole internet? <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they just, you know, it takes them what t minus five months, not even probably because they they were probably having this conversation way before that. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent, super super cool. Um. 
Yeah, oh, but oh uh, my gosh, dude, look at this. If you look at the, if you, I just saw this, you know, if you look at the Telegram communication they were having with this guy about halfway through the hacking EPP servers blog post, it says January 14th is oh. when they're having that conversation. <laughs> so, uh, what did I they see. post this? They January posted 18th. January 15th. Oh, no, they they, really? <laughs> no, but they created their initial forward on January 18th. <laughs> so. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So they, you know, they've, they, yeah, maybe it was the other way around. Maybe they were just like, oh, what if we hacked the whole internet? Yeah. As a cool security group. As a cool security group, you know? yeah. So I'm I hoping like to see some more stuff from th- from this group. These are some real heavy hitters. And uh, I'll be curious if yeah. it's just going to be like that that core group of people or if they're going to branch out and just do like just blog posts with anybody who's doing this kind of hacking yeah. or, or what it is. But um, yeah. But, Would be interesting uh, to see for sure. Yeah, definitely give that, that that blog post a read. It's super consumable. It's very straightforward, and it's an awesome example of just the old, outdated, vulnerable infrastructure that's all over the place on the internet. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of consumable blog posts, another banger from that Shubs tweeted out um, is this this one that just popped up this morning actually? So I'm really glad we recorded the pod today because you know Shubs tweeted Shubs at all you know tweeted the the crazy EPP server thing last night and then this morning he tweeted this and I'm just like man these are like right top of the list um, yeah so this next one we wanted to talk about was a write up by uh, a, a group apparently called Summoning Team uh, I guess that's the name of the company. Um, and this is on a couple CVEs that were released earlier this uh, this year for um, VMware vRealize Network Insight. Um, and this was a really cool vulnerability. Um, and I just, I love, I love stuff surrounding Nginx configurations after, after my, uh, you know, life and death experience with the Nginx configuration files uh, with Sam Herb last year that we presented on at DEF CON. So I love, I love reading um, Nginx related stuff. And as Shub said in his tweet, you know, this is like a crazy, a crazy cool um, little twist on uh, Nginx reverse proxies. So essentially the TLDR of this, I don't know, did you, did you get to review it or not? Yeah, I reviewed some of it. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the TLDR of this was, you know, it's a pretty straightforward command injection. Um, and, and you actually see this, the, the um, procedure that they used to get it was create support bundle. And this is something that I've actually seen a lot in enterprise software is like, there's normally some sort of weird endpoint somewhere that it allows you to create a bundle for support so that, you know, they can send off all the logs and stuff like that to, you know, the team to provide you know, support for the product. Yeah. And of course, you know, the way, the way that these sort of like dev oriented backend functionalities get implemented is of course, just calling stuff straight from the command line. Um, so you get a pretty textbook uh, command injection there. But I think the cool part was the Nginx, the Nginx bug. And it took me a second to sort of realize what was going on here. But the reverse proxy that they have in place is supposed to be filtering out a, a specific um, route, which is this SAS REST to SAS servlet location. Yeah. And and for the first time I looked at it, I don't know if you had the same thing, Joel, but I was like, man, I, I feel like this should be really obvious to bypass, but it's not, you know, um, because they're just like reverse proxying to the same location right. on the back end. Um, but what ended up doing it was, you know, this sort of, it's not really an off by slash sort of thing. It's pretty close to that, but just abusing the sort of dot um, dot functionality in directories and the way that Nginx takes care of that to 
be able to hit the same endpoint on the back end that you would have only been able to hit via the first little location snippet there. Um, yeah. and, and, and so it's kind of hard to explain over, over audio, but it's, it's a really cool bypass. So we'll link it down in the show notes and definitely check it out if you enjoy Nginx configuration stuff. Yeah. So basically like when you have like Nginx configs, you have like these location like routes that, that basically say like anything under this path or maybe matching this regex should be handled like by this route, like this, by right. these rules. And if apparently this is something new to me, I didn't, I didn't know this, but yeah, if you put like a dot slash before your path, that's equivalent in routing. It's equivalent to like going to that path, but it gets handled differently by the Nginx config. So yeah. that lets you bypass like the Nginx config rule, but still hit that path and be able to hit the path that you weren't supposed to access with no, yeah. so crazy. Yeah, it is, it's pretty cool. I really like it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and it looks like the person so um, behind this blog, by the way, I was I was looking a little bit in the about section on this summoning yeah. team, and it says that, uh, I don't know if it's a team of people or if it's just this one person, but uh, it says their name is Sina, and they're a Vuln researcher, and they link out to their Twitter, Sin Synology. Uh, they are a pwned own uh, participant. They work on Microsoft MVR. Uh, so yeah, it seems like uh, somebody who knows knows their stuff and uh, is definitely not their, their first time around this this type of stuff. So this is pretty dope. Nice, dude. That's that's pretty rad. I, I just followed them on Twitter. Definitely going to try to keep up with that. I, I definitely I definitely want to. I definitely want to at some point participate in Pwned Own. Like I think that's going to be on the bucket the bucket list item for a while. You know, we Hacker One keeps us pretty busy with the live hacking events that that we we run here. But at some point, I may have to be like, you know what? I'm just going to take the next couple months and focus on Pwned Own related stuff because that that'd be a cool bucket list item. I think. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I I have the same the same goal. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. So that's let's see. Uh. Oh yeah. The other the only other thing I wanted to bring up in the news section for today was um literally right before this this call again. So once again, the news killing it. I'm glad we we decided to record when we did. Um. Roy from Zoom, the guy that runs the Zoom bug bounty program, tweeted out a Zoom's new sort of vulnerability impact scoring system. Um, and Joel and I were privy to this because we, uh, they're actually, we, we'd heard about it before through some channels. Um, but, you know, they just released it and essentially um, it's a new, it's a replacement for CVSS. And I don't know, man, what what, what do you think about it? I, it's kind of, this is trying, this is like, uh, you know, they're, they're like, do you know what a backronym is? A what? A backronym. Okay. A backronym is like a when you backronym. when you yeah, it's like when you take like uh you you have an acronym that you want and you come up with words that fit that acronym <laughs> that describe it, right? So it's like you'll see this a lot with like okay. congressional bills and stuff. Oh yeah, they'll have yeah, like a, sure. a fancy like short name for it that's like pronounceable like a real word or something, yeah. and then it, each letter stands for some like ridiculously long, yeah. But it, it doesn't like perfectly correlate to the concept. Like oh, you're like yeah, definitely it's like, started with yeah. the with the acronym and then worked back. I like yeah that. exactly backronym. yeah. So it's called That's a backronym. Good. This feels like a backronym for like trying to figure out how you're supposed to codify bounty payments. You know what I mean? Like instead mm -hmm. of just looking at it and being like, this is this impact and we should be paying this much because it's that bad according to our table. You're like, all right, we have to like break this down into like like completely consistent across the board 
segments that we can then like plug into a uniform system and get like reliable output results back. And like, that's awesome. But that is like, I feel like it's trying to overcomplicate us like a solution for a problem that doesn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there is a problem. Like I feel like CVSS is definitely not amazing. Um, But it's something that we've become used to. And I think VSS or VISS, which is the, the thing that they named it, um, I don't know, just for me as a, as a bug bounty hunter, it increases my risk and my friction for using, you know, for reporting bugs to zoom because it's like, okay, now I've got to go read this whole spec that you invented, you know, so you've definitely yes. got the upper hand here. Right. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about any of the metrics, you know, like I don't, it's not like you know, a small spec either, by the way. No, it's, it's not. Like, it's a long yeah, spec. It's a long spec. It's yeah, very complex. So, it's probably as dense or more dense than CVSS itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, on one hand, I like to see a good stab taken at, you know, CVSS and the current vulnerability, you know, metric system. But on the other hand, I feel like this misses the mark on the, on the side of simplicity. You know, maybe this covers, you know, everything that they wanted it to cover. But for me as a bug bounty hunter, um, my risk just doubled or tripled, you know, to to report a bug here. So I think overall it will negatively impact their their bug bounty program, um, just from a participation perspective. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll see how it plays out. If more people adopt it, that could not be the case. But you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple other programs try and do similar stuff to this. Um, yeah. Even when I worked at Uber, Uber tried to do a similar thing to this. And we found that it was just like really, really complicated to try and do it for all bugs. There were certain things wh- where we where we could like certainly codify the bounties. Um, like generally speaking, XSS was something that you could like, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what sure. type of XSS. And then maybe there was a modifying factor if it's like particularly sensitive or the report shows additional impact or something like that. But, you know, generally speaking, like we we would be able to pay an XSS the same like across the board. But that's not the case for every kind of bug. And trying to do that for for like everything uniformly, every single type of bug within one system is very, very difficult. Um, yeah, so totally agree. I'll, I'll be interested to see how this actually pans out. I think Same. using this as like part of their calculation would be a great idea, but using it for the whole ca- calculation just leaves a lot of room for like, oh, the calculator says this, even though we don't agree with it, we're going to pay it because the calculator says that and that's consistent. Right. And I, yeah. I don't think that is going to land great. Yeah, I agree, man. And, and who knows, you know, I think, I think hackers are going to hack and, and, you know, someone will probably read through this whole spec and figure out, okay, how can I, you know, eke a high or a crit out of something that I find on a pretty regular basis, you know, with the configuration tenants, with the different metrics in this guy. So, you know, um, maybe it'll work out in the favor of the hacker. I just, I just feel pretty, uh, being on the hacking side, I feel, I feel apprehensive. Yeah, you so. just have to figure out how to game game the the calculator so that you get the highest score possible with the least effort, and then yeah, that's just be like mean, that's the calculator they, says it. I don't. That, that's what the guys, you know, uh, it, it, that's when you know whenever programs stick very, um, you know, intensely to to CVSS. Uh, I know a couple people that are that will just not uh, on a specific 
very high paying program that just will hold on to their bugs and figure out like some weird fringe way to affect like integrity, even if it's a confidentiality bug. And then like you just get that extra bump, which is like, you know, at that point, it's like 10 grand and you're like, cha-ching. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Pretty good. Um, I see you have a note in here that says, do you ask yourself why on black box testing? And yeah. I was curious what that meant. Okay, all right. Let me let me explain this. And there, there's a tweet going out about this later today. Um, it'll it'll land before the pod drops. But um, on this on this um, live hacking event scope that we're that we're working on, um, I've run into a bug or two that really I, I decided. I feel like I move too quickly sometimes on these sort of things. I like oh cool a bug, and then I like report it, and then I, you know, and and not that I necessarily move on but then I'll just like keep searching. But I think I need to pause for a second. I really need to put some like CPU cycles into, by that I mean, you know, brain energy into uh, into like, why did that work? Like, what does this bug tell me about the mistakes that companies will be making in their infrastructure and in, in their coding practices? And what can I determine about that that might help me find similar bugs? And and I just, I don't, you know, I've heard people sort of talk about this before, but I'm not sure I've ever sat down and actually put like five minutes of thought into, all right, well, you know, if, if this, you know, happens here, then maybe, you know, this is what's happening on the back end and just kind of worked through that whole um, thought progression. And because I did that this time, I found some interesting stuff. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, I think that's a great approach because oftentimes, when something goes wrong, it's a systemic problem. It doesn't mean that mm. it's like implemented like in one place and it's affecting multiple things. That could be what it is, but oftentimes it's that like a developer has seen a pattern somewhere else and they're just copying that pattern, or maybe uh the you know, they just literally made like a single one-off mistake. And that happens too, where it's only in one spot and it may not be a common issue, but trying to understand what, you know, what led them to make that that you know logical leap or whatever to actually write that error into the code like trying to figure that out and then play on that like later down the line even if it's not within the same field so say it's you find an idor through some specific case you can test that idor with the same id the same type of id in other places but i would also test that same idor like method or whatever with other ids in other places mm. because it could be that it's not specific to a user ID, for example, it could be that it's also working on group IDs or whatever type of IDs exist, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that tip. And and I think this is where being in your shoes as a as someone who reads, you know, large corporation backend code on a regular basis, I think that really helps for mapping out like what what could possibly be happening and why a specific vulnerability would be in place. Cause like for me, I did like, you know, a year of PHP dev when I was 18 years old at like a startup incubator, you know, and that's the, that's the extent of my, my, you know, knowledge of, of backend writing code processes. Right. So yeah. I don't have much to lean on there, but I feel like if you, if you have a little bit more of an understanding of how things might be implemented, especially when companies release these, um, these docs that that sort of talk about their backend architecture, like and and by the way, I did check. We we can release who who's in this live hacking event. This is oh, Zoom cool. and Salesforce. Yeah, oh, awesome. Um, and uh, 
And, you know, I'll, I'll just call, I'll just give them a shout out right away. Salesforce, um, you know, they, they dropped some really, really nice um, public documentation. They put it all in a doc for us during this event, and it made it so much easier to understand what's happening. Um, you know, in the back end. And I, I kind of read through a bunch of that. And um, I think it, when I found bugs and I started correlating it to the way that their infrastructure is designed, things started to become a little bit more clear. And uh, that's the kind of stuff you like to to have when you're trying to find all these bugs. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of these companies have way better documentation than others. Um, you know, Salesforce, uh are we allowed to say specifically what the like things within it? Are? Yeah, I, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay, yeah. so you uh, you can yeah. imagine what I'm talking. I know about what you're here, talking about. Though, one yeah. of them has pretty good documentation, but then a lot of the endpoints that I'll be looking at that seem fairly basic, I'll look it up yeah. and I'll expect to find docs, and there's nothing for it. Yeah. 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 So so it really varies, but I, I that's also like one of the awesome things is if a company has extensive documentation, read through it and try and find things that are inconsistent or sound like weird functionality because it might be something that's vulnerable by design that you can exploit to your advantage or it might just be something that doesn't line up with how it's actually behaving in the real world and then that's a perfect use case where you can say hey the docs say it should be behaving this way it's actually not bounty yeah the vulnerable the vulnerable by design thing sort of just I don't know, man. I, I, I've gotten burned on that a couple of times because there are some really poor architecting decisions happening at like a very large level with some of these big companies that we're hacking on all the time, right? And and I as I try to point some of these out, they're like, yeah, that's what we told the dev team when they wrote the project. Yeah. So internal dupe. But yeah. I'm like, okay, but you still let them make the product, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. like, I don't know, maybe security just doesn't have enough sway in these larger corporations. But, you know, you hate to see stuff like that because it, I mean, it puts users at so much risk and it also pisses off bug bounty hunters. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a weird state because some of, some of it is accepted risk. It's like, you know, they know that this is an issue, but it's not like an issue that they consider to be an issue. So they're, it's like, you know, if it becomes public, then that doesn't really matter to them and maybe yeah. they'll change it then. But, you know, a lot of the time yeah, there's I, just not enough effort to. And accepted risk is one thing, but like, and, and if they say that, then that's fine. And I'm going to, I'm going to blog about it, you know, because it, at least some of the stuff that I'm, that I'm thinking of right now, that I'm, you know, you can see me, Joel. <laughs> Justin's I'm, holding I'm, himself I'm, back. He's like, a, his blood pressure is like 180 deep over 30. You know, like, yeah. And, and so, oh man, my heart's going to explode, Joel. Yeah. Damn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, if they, if they, I think the users need to be, the company can accept the risk, but users are need to be able to make an informed decision about um you know if they accept that risk when utilizing a certain service provider and i think that's where a little bit of a disconnect comes because i can write my blog all i want and you know as a you know medium sized player in the security world maybe you know 50,000 people or 100,000 people will read it or something like that on a good day but you know that doesn't uh, that information is not trickling all the way down to the users that are making the decision to use that service provider on a on a you know daily weekly basis, right. um, and so I don't know. There's a little bit of a disconnect there. This is the ramblings of a frustrated security researcher, but yeah, there's not a really great solution out there in in our current you know state, and yeah. that is what it is. Yeah, cool. All right, you want to hit the main topic for this episode? Yeah, man, I think that was the longest news segment we've ever done. Like, and it was news plus like, you know, bug bounty yes. revelations or whatever. But yeah, um, 
yeah, and, but we'll, we'll keep it a little tight today because, you know, we're both in, in the live hacking event and just kind of chilling, uh, you know, on, on pod stuff instead and focusing on hacking stuff. But um, <clears throat> the thing that we wanted to talk about today was uh, doing some, some uh, I don't know, just dropping some cool physical setup stuff that we've got. Um, I've got a pretty cool hacking setup from my perspective, but I realized recently, you know, the perspective you're getting in the background might need some work. Because if you look at like Stulk and Jay Haddix and some of the other guys, like, you know, when you hop on a video call with them, it's like, boom, you know, yeah. like, and they're like in their hacker den with the lights coming on, you know, and like cool things spinning in the background. And so I think I need to kind of level up on that front. I know, me too. I like I see some of those like Naham as well. He has like Oh yeah, Naham's sake as well, for sure. You know, all these people have like really amazing like backgrounds that are like set up and like designed. They got like little like trinkets and stuff that like fill the space. And I just got like fifteen posters behind me. <laughs> <laughs> same bro, same. <laughs> yeah, I ought to hit Stoke up because I I wanna say I saw something somewhere about someone flying Stoke out somewhere to help them design their sort of like hacker setup, you know? Oh, and unfortunately awesome. Stoke doesn't make it over to the East Coast very often, but maybe I'll do like a virtual consulting session with him and be like, Stoke, how do I make this cool? You yeah. Know? <laughs> like yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to that end, um, you know, basically as people who spend all day at a computer and at a desk, mm. like generally speaking, we think it's very worthwhile to put your money where your butt is right and so yeah. that that's like your keyboard your mouse your monitors your desk your chair your environment that you're working in like all that stuff like you know if it's where you're spending eight plus hours a day a third of your life then you should probably make an investment yeah. right it's just like a bed right buy a good mattress buy a good you know if you're walking a lot buy good shoes if you're sitting a lot buy a good chair right? if you're using your computer a lot buy a good computer yeah, no, for sure, man. I, I totally agree. And I had a little, um, you know, anecdote that I wanted to share on this behalf. You know, when I was in college, I was pretty busy. Uh, I worked at a, I interned at um, a big company, Dominion Energy in Richmond. And so I was biking back and forth from Dominion to my school, you know, on a regular basis. So I was, I was staying, you know, pretty active. And I graduated and uh, got my first hacking job. And um, I feel like, you know, a year and a half, two years just kind of blew by. And then I remember sitting at my apartment, you know, and realizing like, man, I'm not very active right now. Like, what, why am I, why do I have, what, what is this fat that's on the lower side of my bed? You know, like what is going on here? Um, and, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, it's fine. I'm probably not too far along. Let me just go like hit the treadmill for a little bit. And so I hit the treadmill and I ran like, you know, 0.25 miles. And I was like, <gasps> you know, I was dying. <laughs> and so her. it's like, yeah. And I just also, you know, I realized my posture had sort of changed from staying at the desk just for just from like a year and a half. And I think I was just kind of blinded by, you know, the new career, the new setup, you know, sort of grinding on bug bounty and hacking stuff at the time. And I totally put out the window, you know, the personal fitness and the posture and that sort of thing. Um, investments that needed to be made to save me some time, you know, and energy. And and since then, you know, I, I've I've remediated a lot of those issues, and we can talk about some of the stuff that I've done to do that today. But I just wanted to, you know, say this for anyone listening that kind of finds himself in that similar scenario: the longer you wait on this, the harder it gets. 
right? I don't care if you've been doing this for 10 years. If you do it for 15 years, if you do it for 11 years, if you do it for 10 years and six months, it's going to be harder than it was at 10 years, right? So yeah, like, for sure. you know, you need to make those lifestyle changes ASAP and, and it doesn't have to be drastic, but it should be intentional, I think, because um, it's all too easy to kind of let it go and then have it become unmanageable. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you always been like a computer person, like sitting and like using computers growing up? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I started really getting into computers when I was like 10. Yeah, you know? same. Okay, so I don't know if it's similar for you, but like I'm in my mid-20s, I have lower back pain already, like just from sitting all day. Like, you know, if I yeah. sit too much or if I'm hunched over at my desk for like, even for like one day, if I have like a mm. long day where I'm particularly like heads down and I'm like bent yeah. over, like my back, I'll feel it for sure. And I have to do like certain stretches and wow. stuff to like stretch out my lower back. Yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't had lower lower back quite as much. Um, but I do notice that my posture, you know, suffers for sure. Like oh, yeah. I definitely have, you know, computer neck sometimes, yes. you know, and I'm like got my neck forward and that sort of thing. And I've always been, you know, I, I think I sort of shouted Corbin out on the pod when he came on, but like, you know, if you look at any of the, uh, the hack one media, you know, Corbin's a good looking guy for sure. So there's that, that helps as well. But I think he shows up in a lot of hacker one photos because he's just got such a, like he's yeah. got good posture. He's got a good build, you know, like in any of the, yeah. He doesn't it, have the gamer neck. On, like, yeah. He doesn't have the gamer neck, you know, and it's because he's putting in the reps at the gym, man. Yeah. I've talked to him about that. I was like, you know, what kind of exercises are you doing and stuff like that? And he, he attributes a lot of that to deadlift and, and stuff like that. So I don't know, yeah. you know, I, I do deadlift. Do you, do you deadlift? I used to a little bit. Honestly, my main yeah. concern is injuring myself. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think if I was going to do, I, I was going to talk about this. So, yeah, like doing workouts and stuff that are specific to your work environment is something that's super helpful, right? Like, again, mm -hmm. you sit all day, do like ab, core, like lower back workouts and stuff like that that's going to build yeah. those muscles because you, inherently by sitting and not using them, those muscles aren't getting worked and they're not going to be as strong as the rest of your muscles, right? We're going to have like, you know, pretty like good muscles and like our arms and whatever from like typing and like using you know sure, our yeah, eyes yeah. we're not going to get eye strained to the same effect and all that kind of stuff but like yeah you know the other areas are where, where it's going to suffer so i think targeting those areas and it doesn't have to be deadlifts you can do like there's other you know squats and and you can do like uh like presses and whatever like you know there's there's lots of stuff that you can do to build those those muscles so you you've got a standing desk rachel i do yeah i should actually fucking use it I was going to say, like, I feel like every time I record the pod, whenever I'm recording the pod, you know, there's just a certain amount of energy that I want to put into it. And I just feel like that matches standing way better than sitting. So like 90% of the time when we're recording the pod, I'm standing at my desk. Um, and, I, and I do, I stand at my desk maybe like, maybe like once or twice a day, um, you know, normally when I'm just doing hacking and just working on normal stuff. Um, see, dude, that, that, that actually looks, that looks better with your background too. You know, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, get that lamp out of there though, and you just kind of get it locked in, you, yeah. you've actually got a pretty good setup. I think yeah, that, that it's works not bad. well. Maybe I should be standing how, more. How, how tall are the ceilings in your, in your room? Uh, they're eight feet. I the think. standard height. Just yeah. Normal eight feet. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Now that, yeah. that that looks good. Sorry, sorry yeah. for you people. No, I, I'm not. To uh, the I'm not tall enough. Audio. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, doesn't hit the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, what a I, I've for me, I use um uplift desks, and Same. I think they're great, man. It's worth it. Your uplift as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it's really nice, and I I did want to do a shout out to Mariah here. Um, you know, I uh. 
I, I have an L uplift desk, so I I bought you know I had it. I bought one of their their fully designed products and had it sent to me. But Mariah actually just bought the. She has an uplift desk as well, mm-hmm. and she just bought the legs. Yep. And she went to Home Depot and got a butcher block top. Yep. And oiled it up and like you know got it looking pretty. And then I just you know we just screwed just it on screwed top in. of the. Yeah, and it looks super good. Um, yeah. Way better than mine uh, that I just bought directly from Uplift. So um, that's a really good opportunity as well. And I think it only costs her like 150 bucks total. Yeah, yeah. So it really depends on the size that you're going for. Um, the legs, like just buying the legs like independently, like that's like, like a great solution, especially maybe you already have a desk or a desktop that you like and you can take it off. Um, for me, I wanted a huge desk. Like I like having a lot of space on my desk. Mm. I keep a lot of stuff on my desk. I have like speakers and monitors and my PC Mm -hmm. is on my desk and all that kind of stuff. So um, I like having like as much space as I could. When I was looking at standing desk, Uplift Desk had the largest uh, standing desk that I could find. And I think it's like 84 inches or something long. It's like, it's wow, dude, it's huge. Yeah. So it's great. Like I have much more space than I would ever need. Um, And the top, you know, if you buy the top directly from them, like finding a piece of you know, hardwood material or something like that, that, that that's that large to get shipped to you is about the same price and hard to find. So um, I ended yeah. up just getting the top with them. But I think... And did, did you get an L or did you No, get a... no, I have a fully straight one. I have a friend who has um, like the L shape with like it's a long L. portion and they have a shorter like L portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had really thought about that, but uh, it's it really depends on the room. Like that that's what I found. I, I moved with this desk uh, one or two times and... Mm-hmm depending on what your office layout is, is going to depend on whether or not that desk is really going to work in the room. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. didn't want to have to keep like buying, rebuying desks and all that kind of stuff. So I just stuck, stuck with like a straight, straight long desk. Um, but yeah, I will probably my... eventually replace the, replace this and I'm not sure if I'll do the same. I've got like the, I've got like the five by four, I think yeah. is, is what it, and, it, and I'm not gonna lie. It's a little tight, I think. You know, I, I think it could be, and, and it fits my room perfectly, so I'm, I'm glad I bought it. Um, and I'm not planning on moving much. I think maybe I'll move, you know, one or two times in my in the rest of my life, probably. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I didn't, you know, I decided to buy the desk for this space. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think next time I, w- I would go with a six. No, this is actually a six. This is a six by, this is a six by four. Um, yeah. I think I think next time I would go a little bit bigger though because it does help to have that additional room over to the side and especially when you've got an L shape, you're and I'm and I've got my monitor set up which I'll talk about in a second which I absolutely love by the way, um, you know it takes up a good chunk of the desk and I need some more some workspace as well like for example when we were doing the hardware hacking stuff I had to set up this little table you know behind me here to yeah. get to get the hardware hacking stuff at a good spot because if I was trying to do it on this table everything just got too crowded. Yeah, well, that's actually a tip that that I didn't write it down, but I think that's a good one. I have. Um, let, see if, let me see if I can hold this up. Yeah, yeah. So I have this. Uh, I have oh, this nice. like portable table. It's got a little knob here, so you can basically you can raise and lower it as you want. Oh, nice. And it's dude. it's on wheels. It's on these casters. Oh, so. Um, and essentially, I I keep it underneath my desk all the time. And then if I ever mm-hmm. need extra space, I just wheel it out. I raise it up to the height I want. Lock it, portable table, good to go. You can lock the wheels if you want. Um, and I have one or two of those. Like, I, I keep one of them in my office. I keep another one like somewhere else in the house. But when I'm doing like the hardware hacking stuff, for example, even I don't have enough room on my desk 
for mm. you know all that hard work, like all the all the Mr. tools and stuff mr seven foot <laughs> desk over here doesn't have enough room on his desk <laughs> that's great so even with my yeah. seven foot desk i don't have enough i don't have enough room for it so i like having those extra portable like flexible spaces and yeah i actually have another one right back here i don't know if yeah, that's I in frame it, yeah but um, yeah, that also is like just sort of like a portable tabletop that I can pull out. I, I use it for like eating. I'll use it for various things. But do you, having that available. Do, do is the awesome. wheels lock on it? Uh, this one's not on wheels, but the other one does. Yeah, it has locking wheels. Yeah, that's cool. I, I hadn't really thought about getting a little side table like that. That's that's, you know, flexible for the space. That's that's not a bad idea. Yeah. And it's I sort like of that. like flexible, like, you know, tabletop space is really useful so that you don't have to like reorganize your desk if you want to do something big. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Cool. So, dude, I, monitors. I I just I yeah, let's talk monitors because I'm I just you know, I feel like most people earlier, don't realize that like you're in front of a fucking space station. <laughs> like, like Dude, I am, man. And yeah. it's so freaking great. It's like this is literally a childhood dream fulfilled, okay? So let me let me lay this out for you, okay? So, like I mentioned, I've been in, in the computers since I was like, you know, 10, 12, that that sort of range, right? And uh, I have pretty, you know, I don't have a great memory of my like childhood. It's just all kind of like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good, you know. <laughs> so yeah. especially timelines, you know, it, it wasn't great. So it's like somewhere back in the, in most of the time that I can remember, I was in love with computers. But I do remember the point when I became in love with computers. And uh, I've talked about this on the pod before, but it was just one time this guy from my church came over and he typed into a you know black command line box and fixed the internet so I could play my games. And I was like, dude. That was really cool. I got to learn how to do that. So anyway, I, I, you know, I'd see him every Sunday because we were going to church every Sunday. And so I'd start asking him, hey, you know, how can I learn about this? Blah, 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 blah. And being the awesome guy that he is, he like brought me to his work, which was a university, uh, the university that I ended up going to, by the way. Um, nice. And, uh, and he was like, check out like the setup, right? So I walk into his office and you know he's like a sysadmin or something like that. I think he's higher up now, but and the guy has six monitors. And it's like, you know, three on the top, three on the bottom, just like massive array. There's like graphs going off on all of them. He's like monitoring this and that and the other thing. And I was like, dude, this is sick. And, awesome. and from that moment on, I was like, I know someday I'm gonna have that. I gotta set it up. And then finally, when we moved back from Japan, I'm like, all right, I might actually stay in this house for more than a year, which we hadn't done since I was like 17 at that point. Um, and, and so I invested and I bought a, uh, and right right as I was getting ready to build this setup, dude, I went to, do you guys have like the restore near you? Do you know what that is? Restore. The restore. Oh, 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 it's, it's the name oh, of the like, store. Like the furniture store? The Habitat for Humanity thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So dude, I, you know, I, most people, I think they listen to the pod know I do real estate stuff on the side. So I was going to the, the restore to, to get some stuff for my real estate projects. And I walk in there and I see like 12, um, 27 inch 4K HP monitors sitting okay. there. And I'm like, what the heck? And I walk over there and they're 40 bucks each. Dude. Dude, these are $400 monitors. They're selling for $40. So I wow. said- I run over to the desk. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm buying all of those. And I just slam my wallet down on the counter. And I'm like, I, I'm buying all of those. And he's like, okay, all right. You know, we'll get someone to help you move them to your car. <laughs> just and, is the real was, version of the, of the fry. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> dude, just take it. Shut up and take my money, man. Because he was like, oh, I was so happy. And so, you know, I walk out of there. So some of them weren't 4K or whatever. So I was like, oh, you know, 
we'll, we'll, we'll leave those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, I, end, I think I ended up getting like seven or eight 27 inch 4K monitors, man. And I was thrilled. Um, so what I'm looking at right now is I've got an up, uplift sort of monitor mount setup. I've got four 27 inch monitors. 4K monitors in a square, and and I, you know, I realized after I got this, I was like, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a computer that can <laughs> that can handle four <laughs> 20. So I ended up having to buy this crazy computer that we'll talk about later. But um, it, I finally got it set up, and it's like I have full vision of all of them. And man, does it help with testing because you know you can just segment your different accounts to a different monitor, and it's like, man, it's so much easier to keep your sessions straight. So. I, I nice. really, I think it's really, really great for a bug bounty hunter. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I am nothing close to that. I have, I have, <laughs> he says, I am nothing. <laughs> yeah, I am nothing. Like, no, not like I'm like, a, I, I'm a, yes, I'm like an elementary school child compared to oh Justin's setup. I have two 1440p monitors. They're both, uh, this, they're both 27 inches. Um, nice. It's a good number, man. Yeah. 27 yeah. feels good. Yeah. One's a, uh, 75 hertz the other one is 244 hertz my, the main like my main one in front of me is the 244 hertz so it's like a really nice mm -hmm. like uh you can do like gaming and it's like super high refresh yeah. rate so it looks great it's ips so it has really accurate colors all that kind of stuff so that's nice. like my main like straight straight on monitor and then to my side i have just for like that that's the 75 hertz for everything else then i also uh it's not really a monitor but it's like my laptop i i have it's it's like a monitor arm, kind of like what I use for for my microphone here. It's like mm -hmm. a pneumatic arm, but on the end of it, it has a flat laptop plate that I can just put my laptop on, and oh, it just cool. holds my laptop in the air, and it's mounted to my desk. So if I move my desk up, laptop comes with me. If I move my desk down, laptop comes with me. All the cables and everything are like tethered to this. I can just like pull it closer to me if I want. I can move it further away. Just on an and arm, it just floats you, you there. You use a Mac, right? Yep. So so I mean when you do you have, how do you mount that into your setup? Do you have like a mounting station or is there like just single cord or what? Yeah, so depending on what I'm doing, I, I'll use like um, a hub. For the most part, I don't have to plug like so much stuff in. My router is like mm -hmm. right here. So I get like crazy fast speeds over Wi-Fi as it is. So I sure. really don't need to be ethernet, plugged in yeah. over ethernet. But if I do, I have a switch right behind my PC, which is right next to it. And I can just plug it in. I have a like a, ethernet cable that's just not plugged in it's just right here and i can i can just plug it in if i need to um nice. behind my monitor i have like a clamshell dock because i i have two laptops actually i have a work laptop my personal laptop so it has two slots and then that will plug into my main monitor so it's a little bit of a complex what, what setup is a, what is a clamshell dock? uh what is that oh he's gonna he's gonna try to go get it man get it. here it's we this. go it's this. I actually oh. 3D printed this. I designed and 3D printed this. No way, so, dude. Yeah, yeah. So this, it's just, it holds two laptops like this. You just slot them in, you know, um, and then they just oh, like nice. sit on their edge. And when they're plugged in, they'll still work and stuff, but you don't have to have them open. Um, so I have it set up so that if I want to use a laptop on my monitor setup, I'll put it in clamshell plug. I'll just like put it in my stand. I'll plug in an HDMI cable. I have a button on my stream deck. Uh, which I use to set my PC to only display on the secondary monitor. Okay, it, this is like, it's a little hacky, okay? But basically like Windows, you can have it mirror or extend or display only right, on one right. or only on the other, right? So I tell it, okay, only display on one monitor. 
my mo- the main yeah. monitor in front of me then goes, oh, there's no input on DVI. I'm going to fall back to whatever has an input, which is the laptop that's plugged in on HDMI. <laughs> and then oh, man, I have, that is I have this, yes. And then I have this piece of software. It's amazing. It's by a company called um, Simless and it's called Synergy. Uh, it's been around for mm, a while. It's basically a software KVM. And it allows me to configure all of my computers with a, like a client server thing. The server runs on my PC and then I have a client on my laptops and I can seamlessly move my mouse and keyboard across screens to different computers. It'll Does share it my work clipboard. that well though? Uh, it's, a, it's instant. Like there's no latency, no nothing. I, I've, I've used this for like years and it's, yeah. No way. Dude, yeah, it's that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah, I use it on, on the daily basis. Like I have, I don't even notice it. Like every once in a while, if there's like network stuff going on internally, then I'll have like maybe like a, a jump or something on the mouse, but like it's sure. generally latencyless. So wow. I so, can use the so same let, mouse and keyboard let me, across let me, everything. Let me, just, let me just confirm this here. So you've got two laptops, your work laptop and your and your personal laptop. And then you've yep. got a desktop computer. Yep. And that runs and then, Windows. And that runs Windows. Okay. Yep. And so you run Synergy on the desktop computer. You have Synergy running on your client, running on your laptops. And that allows you to, uh, you know, sort of pull the display onto your, your desktop. And then you can just kind of seamlessly jump between all of these. Yeah. So basically, I can use the wow. same keyboard and mouse That's from my PC. I can even do like rebindings and stuff. So for example, like Mac uses command, right? So I have Synergy set up to automatically rebind my like command key and my option keys such that I don't have to change like my hand position on my keyboard when I mm. cross OS. So if I do like control C or whatever, it's in the same spot as it would be on a Mac. And I just, my brain just does the back and forth. Um, so wow. yeah, that's what I use. I just use one keyboard and mouse from my PC across to my other devices. And then I use my same two monitors. If I ever want to show a laptop, I'll just plug it into the main monitor, cut my PC over to a single screen and then I can still use my PC on the secondary monitor and I can just move my mouse back and forth even across to my laptop that's on the stand here. Wow. Dang, dude, that's that's pretty sick. That yeah. I I I've always wanted sort of like that synergy sort of setup to work, you know, across multiple different computers and having one mouse, but I I haven't really ever gotten anything to work that well. So I'll have to check out Synergy. Yeah, I Synergy think, yeah. Is, is pretty solid. I've been using it for a number of years now. I've tried a couple other different pieces of software. I think there's an open source version of it somewhere as well. That's like not terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, this this one has been pretty much the best one that I've that I've found and the most consistent in terms of like performance and usability and all that kind of stuff. So I, I have in the notes as well. You, you have a capture card, don't you, that you use for some sort of what, yeah, what, yeah. what do you do with that? Yeah. So one I, I bought a capture card for like playing games or something. Honestly, mm-hmm. the biggest advantage that I found with it is that a capture card is essentially a software display, right? So yeah. if you download the capture software and you have the capture card plugged in, it has an HDMI input that you can use. And normally it would you can like record off of it or display it in your stream or whatever sure. you're going to do with it. But you can also just open the software and you can display whatever's going on the input. So I'll take a Raspberry Pi. If I need to see something on the display, I'll plug it in. Or if I need to debug something with a with a temporary display, I'll just plug it into my my uh, capture card, and then I'll just pull the software up, and I don't have to have like an extra monitor or something that that I have lying around that I use just for those things. Yeah, that's that's that right there. That's my extra monitor that I use <laughs> yeah. to plug in my Raspberry Pi. That's yeah. pretty sick, dude. Actually, I, especially for that specific 
you know, circumstance that you talked about where you're trying to have the Raspberry Pi display, that that's something that I've been like, ah, man, I like, especially with the with the monitor mounts that I've got, I'm putting my hand right in front of my, my <laughs> webcam here, especially with the monitor mounts that I've got up, like it's such a pain in the ass to like get behind it and plug yep. in stuff. And so, uh, you know, I just am using this other, one of the, my other $40, you know, 4K <laughs> uh, monitors that I've got, but I think a capture card would be a really nice addition. And I actually think, cause Mariah was doing streaming for yep. a while and, and and um, I think we've got one somewhere. So I ought to go see if I can track that down and, and try to use it to do stuff like that. Because that'd be really handy to have it all in one spot. Yeah, for sure. Um, keyboard and mouse. Uh, I use a custom keyboard. Uh, it's I was called gonna, a... uh, Joel, I could feel it. I knew you were a keyboard junkie. <laughs> yes, like, I'm a, I'm a keyboard on, junkie. Man. Hold on, I'll give you a little sound test here. Let's see if I can... Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, dude, it's like, it's like ASMR right there. Like that, ah. Uh. Yeah, pretty good. So uh, nice. yeah, it's called a Vega. Um, they're like impossible to get, but I have a friend who had one and I got it for like crazy cheap. So anybody who knows keyboards will probably be like losing their mind. But yes, I have a Vega. Um, it's all white. And uh, for my mouse, I use uh, the uh, the G Pro Superlight. It's like super, super crazy lightweight. Um, the main reason I really like that is because it really? has this. You like that? Yes. The main thing I like is that it has this little know. puck here. And uh, this puck is called um, Lightspeed. And essentially, Logitech has a software, uh, and I bought into this a little while ago. They have a mouse pad that has like a, a coil inside of it. And that coil communicates with, uh, with this little puck here to charge your mouse wirelessly through the mouse pad. So I never, ever plug my mouse in. It's fully wireless. And what? it has sub one millisecond response time because it was made for Are gaming. Are you kidding me? It uses like a 2.4 gigahertz receiver. And uh, damn, Joel, you have the coolest shit, man. I swear. <laughs> like, yeah. So I used to have like a, a heavier like gaming. I, I It was like a G903 or something. I, th I think it's what it was. And that was pretty good for a while, but it had like extra buttons and, and it just was like heavier than I wanted. And I found out that the, the super light has support for the little charging puck. And I already had the, the mouse pad. And I wanted to keep that because I don't like plugging stuff in. So yeah, I've been using that, and th that's been amazing. Dude, um, it's so funny. Like I, for some reason, literally every time my mouse dies, it's I'm in a League of Legends game, like <laughs> like with, without fail, and I'm like in the middle of a team, you know, team battle, and like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't, I can't move. Like help. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Cover but me. I saw, I know? saw you had one of these. Yeah, do, so yeah. so that's my this was my main Logitech, mouse for a long time. For those time. of you actually listening to our podcast, it's the uh, Logitech MX Master Three is the one I use. Yeah, so I've got the original. This is the first version, but yeah, yeah I love my MX Master as like a daily like comfort like just daily driver mouse. If you don't care about like lightweight mice and any of that like wireless charging and all that kind of stuff, MX Master is such a good so such good, a good man. mouse. I have the MX Anywhere as well, which is their like mini mm -hmm. MX mouse for like travel, yeah. and that one's also awesome. Yeah, dude, I just I love the scroll bar on this guy. Like, oh yeah, you that know, it can it's unlock. Just, it's it's so yeah, nice. and it's it's got it's like so nice. you really like spin it if you really want to, and then you can also push on it, and then it it's got like a nice click yeah, when you it, infinite uh, scroll. Oh, my! It's great. Dirty I mouse. love it. Yeah, it's it's real good. So I I really like this guy. I I do have an ergonomic mouse as well, one that kind of is upright, and you know mm -hmm. kind of hold it like that. I think it's called and a vertical mouse. Yeah, vertical mouse, and it, and it's like pretty good. 
but I actually haven't felt any wrist issues yet. I say that into my wrist, like, I don't know if you can hear <laughs> yeah, it's it. Like, cracking. You know, it's cracking. <laughs> it's like, it's like cracking like crazy. Um, but you know, man, this is kind of enlightening actually. Maybe I should, uh, but you know, I, I could never really get used to it. And it's such a pain when you're trying to like, you know, get, do your job. And then you just got like a bunch of needless friction, you know, yeah. that's derailing your thought process. So I always just kind of reverted back to the MX master cause it's, it's really handy. Yeah, for sure. For something like that, I think it's really just like, what's your personal See what preference? I did there? The MX Master is really handy. Uh, man, I almost missed that. Oh, God. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, <laughs> Thank I, you. I thought you'd want to. <laughs> I thought you'd want to know. Okay. Well, not, okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I, as I was saying before, I got dad joked out of existence. <laughs> um yeah mice are really it's really personal preference it's up to you like what feels comfortable so like i know people who have like wrist problems and they swear by those like vertical mice or like the ergonomic like, oh, really? the ball okay, mice cool. or, or that kind of stuff and um you know for me i just uh if it feels good i don't think about it too much and uh you know it is what it is um yeah, for sure okay so we're, we're already at the hour mark here um yeah. wanted to cover a couple things so i want to talk about we're going to eliminate the rest of the things on the list here, but I think we should talk about our computer setup, sure. our chairs, sure. and then um, what was the... Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about my my newest your, your little Chromebook, my little Chromebook setup. Oh, your I've Chromebook. Got. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I'll do that now. It's right here, actually. It's an Acer... What is it? It's that guy right there. It's an Acer R841T series. Um, and I think it's got like, you know, like eight gigs of RAM or something like that. It was only like... I want to say 600 bucks, okay. um, extremely lightweight, you know, two pounds. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't have a ton of Ram, um, but you know, it kind of gets the job done and, uh, it's a 13 inch, is it a 13 inch? Might be, a, might be an 11 inch. So some, somewhere in that range, I feel like it's very portable, you know, and that's kind of how I wanted to be able to, to, you know, to feel when I was using it. I've wanted to be able to just throw it in my little mini backpack, my little Explorer backpack that I've got and feel like it's not even there and then pull it out when I need it um, to just do some quick typing for content creation or even for hacking. And I, I brought it on a, um, on a trip with me to Maine to see Mariah's family. And, um, and it worked great for super lightweight hacking, you know, like in the evenings we were sitting around like watching a show or something. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll just fiddle around with something. And I powered up zero tier, um, for your recommendation, connected nice. back to my home network, and I had uh, you know a Kaido instance running on my my PC at home. Nice. And I used uh, Zero Tier um, and you know Kaido's remote sort of feature to connect into that. I could proxy all my traffic through it, and it was really really nice. It worked really well, and I could do all of my all of my sort of basic testing that I want to do you know, at a, at a basic level, nothing crazy, um, you know, from the, from the Chromebook. And I didn't have to lug around my big, you know, eight pound laptop that I normally have to use to use burp. Yeah. That's crazy. Are you running anything like custom on it or is it just the stock OS? Well, um, Chromebook added support for Linux. So, oh. um, you can, you, you literally, you know, just kind of go in there and just like turn on Linux and then you've got like a Linux command line. It's, they still don't have like key, key bindings, which is kind of crazy to me. So I couldn't okay. like, I couldn't, I normally like to hit like, you know, I have my open a terminal bound to like Windows key enter on my main computer, right? And so I can just boom and now I'm in the terminal, you know, bam, bam, bam. And uh, and for, it takes like two or three, I guess, keystrokes on the on the device to get it to open up the terminal. 
But once it's in, it's pretty much like WSL. You know, it's it's running a little internal Docker container mm-hmm. that runs Linux, and and it's pretty pretty functional. Um, nice. And I was actually even I was just kind of playing around with it. I was able to install Kaido on the device itself. Actually, yeah, I was going to ask. Um, so did you just proxy directly to your Kaido IP at home, or like what did you? I, I proxied through my Kaido IP at home primarily, but I also at one point um, installed Kaido on the device and started using it there, but it got a little overrun. Um, even with Kaido you know, being as efficient as it is, um, it got a little overrun with that. So I, I reverted back to the, you know, the setup from before of just kind of having it open as a tab in my browser. Cool, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I was I've always thought about doing like a Chromebook. I'm running an old Intel 2018 MacBook, but um, my my work laptop is an M1, and um, I think for my next my yeah. next laptop, I'll probably go with the Apple Silicon. Uh, either either I'm actually thinking about maybe a MacBook Air because the MacBook Air stats, first of all, they're way cheaper, but also they they have an M2 in the newest MacBook Air, and it starts at like. Really? Yeah, like the cheap one, the M1 13 inch starts at a thousand bucks, starts at nine ninety nine, and then like even the 15 inch brand new M2 starts at like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred. So wow, that's not bad at it's all. It's not like that bad because of the price is so much lower with the Apple Silicon, and those chips are insane. They're like they're workhorses. They use like no battery. They're crazy, crazy quick. Um, I have basically no complaints except for some of the very, very like edge case weird x86 64 emulation stuff that comes with rosetta 2 uh but you can you can look up that stuff if you're curious about that yeah no i i was kind of so i held off on buying the setup for a while because it was like uh, i really kind of want to wait well for, first of all like i'm pretty anti-apple to, to be perfectly honest and it's not necessarily founded like i feel like there are a lot of you know respected hackers and technologists, you know, yourself included, that use Apple as their primary, you know, system. And that's, that's fine. It's just not for me. Like, I just, I just, mm, I don't like the feel, you know, the branding, it it just, uh, I don't know. So I've been, I've been kind of waiting for people to come out with a competitor to the M1, because I love the idea of, you know, you know, using a system like that, you know, so efficient and so, you know, battery, uh, efficient. Um, but they're just not doing it. You yeah. know, and it's just not happening. And you know, Apple's already releasing M2, and and you know, there's not even a competitor to the M1 out there. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, guys, like get it together. So yeah. anyway, at some point, I was just like, you know what, screw it. It's 600 bucks. I'm not gonna like, you know, it's definitely worth it to have something light and portable with me all the time and reduce that friction to you know simple hacking and content right. creation. So I, I went ahead and bought it, but I, I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for you know an ARM based. Uh, you know, PC that will come out in the in the near future. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, all right, let's talk about chairs real quick. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, this one's super easy. I think chairs. I see you have a DX racer. I don't know what your I take do. is on yeah, that, but but uh, my take is Harmon Miller or bust. Um, I had an Aeron for probably about seven years, and then I switched over to uh, Herman Miller Embody, uh, which is like yeah. a, a better i guess in my opinion better version it's got better back support and stuff um also by herman miller and that uh i've been on that one for maybe six months now and uh yeah that one's also awesome i i used it uh when i used to work in the office um at Mm. my last job and so i got one for home finally nice dude yeah i um I bought this DX racer like when I graduated college. So I haven't, I haven't, you know, changed it at all since I, since I bought it. But 
Um, to be honest, I mean, it does the job for me. It, it, it's adjustable, you know, um, the, the neck support and back support is pretty lower back support is pretty good. Uh, it's not as adjustable as it could be, but you know, it's pretty good. Um, and it's something that I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time, um, optimizing, but I, I think at some point I will go ahead and, and buy Herman Miller cause everyone, you know, raves about him. Um, yeah. and, but like I said, you know, I don't actually feel a lot of aches and pains from sitting and uh, I, I saw a quote recently that that was from a respected, you know, posture physician of sorts, you know, uh, and they were saying that the, the best posture for you to have is one that changes every 15 minutes, essentially, <laughs> you know, like as long as yeah. you're not leaning, you know, if you've got your foot up on your desk and you're like, you know, cr head cranked to the side, that's fine for 10 minutes, you know, yeah. and then you kind of got to move. Um, so as long as you're not staying stagnant in one position for, you know, a long time, it's, it's not too big of a deal. I don't think, um, plus I use the standing desk feature of, of my, of my desk on a pretty regular basis. So, um, I think the, the chair is a really good investment for most people that spend a lot of time there. Um, for me, it's a little bit lower on the punching list. Yeah, for sure. I, um, based on what I've read, those, those racing chairs are like the worst mm. for your back, but, uh -oh. but yeah, your mileage hey. may vary. Like some people have just like, Boom. you know, either they change their their position a lot or or it doesn't you know bother them because they have a strong back or whatever whatever it is so you know whatever works for you if you want some good chair reviews there's a youtube channel that i really like um it's honestly mm. a h n e s t l y we'll, wait, wait, we'll wait, link it down a h n honestly yeah like a h n e s t h n yeah e s t l y yeah and honestly oh that's kind of interesting yeah Pun. interesting spelling on 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 honestly but uh, yeah no yeah. he uh he does like like chair reviews but like videos and it goes like very in-depth he compares them to like other high-end chairs and all that kind of stuff he'll talk about like the drawback so it's like you know if, if you're looking at getting a chair what a niche man nice chairs are expensive you know it's like fifteen hundred two thousand dollars for for a nice chair and it's an investment that you're gonna be sitting in for many many years so i would recommend um do some research on it i bought actually during the pandemic, I bought a chair uh, and I used it for like six months and I hated it so much that I went back to my old chair, my old, no my way. old Aeron. I switched wow. from an Aeron to like an office ma master something, something or other. It was like 500 yeah. bucks. And I was like, oh, this will be great. It's got a headrest and all this stuff. And I used yeah. it for six months and it was like creaking and it was like Ew. hard to use and it wasn't comfortable. And I was like, screw this. And I went back to my Aeron and I used that for another like nice. two years before I got my body. Nice dude. Yeah. I, it's so funny to me, all these little niches that are all over the place, man. This guy honestly has like 52 K subscribers and it's like, just chairs. <laughs> it's, just, it's just chairs. It's just like, he's the chair guy, you know, he's like, the chair guy. It's crazy. That's hilarious. All right, man. That's a, that's a wrap on what we had in the doc. You got anything else before we bounce? No, I don't think so. I could I could rant on and on about why I bought what I bought. So we should probably end it before. Yeah, we're gonna cut it. <laughs> That's great. All right, man. Well, good luck in the uh, in the live hacking event this week, and yeah, I'll catch you next time. Yeah, you too. Catch you later. All right, peace. Peace. What's up, y'all? Got some quick announcements for us at the end of the pod here. Um, one, Nahamcon is going on this week, so if you haven't signed up for that, head over to nahamcon.com and don't miss out on that awesome. Uh, the awesome talks that are going to be given. Um, it's definitely going to be a banger this year, so definitely watch that. Uh, also, our producer here at Critical Thinking, Richie Mills, has launched his new audio drama. And I'm not going to lie, I binge listened to the whole thing in the first day that it came out, and it is real good. So if you enjoy sci-fi fantasy, uh, give Homicide at Heaven's Gate a search, and we'll drop it in the description below as well. Um, definitely, definitely recommend. 
Uh, also, I uh, wanted to announce, uh, as I did last week, re-announce that Jesse Rivera um, has joined the Critical Thinking podcast team. Um, he'll be doing the blogcast from now on. Um, so if you head over to criticalthinkingpodcast.io and drop your email, you'll always be up to date on the awesome newsletters and text-based content he'll be putting out. That's all for today. See you next week.